So now for the second part of, uh, of this week's podcast, I'm, I'm really excited to have James Ogden once again on the pod. We're going we're gonna to break down some, some prospects looking specifically at the NFL scouting combine. And so I guess, James, my first question to you is like, what are your general thoughts on the combine and how you think teams should approach the combine when evaluating prospects? Yeah, I think we, yeah, the, the combine is, is an important check on the, on the process. Uh, on the process, I should I should say I, I need to turn into my uh, to my American version of myself. Um, it's an important check mark. I think it's got to you know you've got to take it in the context that it's man, which is that you you know you need to uh, be looking at the measurements and the drills uh, and the, the the measurables that you get, but putting them in context of the film. You know, going back to the film and and if you if you're you know if you've been doing this for a while or if you kind of learn how to do this, there's you'll be able to start looking at a guy and start saying, you know what, I think he's a four, four guy. Like, I think he's, that's what he is. And like, so what you want to be able to see is the, what you see at the combine to match up on, with what you see on, on the tape. And the, the big thing for me, which uh, I mentioned on our podcast the other day with them, um, with Cole uh, Jackson and uh, Michael Crawford and, and Chris Aguilera about it's, it's really about looking at play strength and play speed when you're looking on tape play strength and play speed are both um they are both a combination of your uh, measurable strength and measurable speed along with your ability to to process information quickly and your technique and if you're not there it's a mixture of those three things that goes into how quickly you play on the field or how strong you play on the field and so what you get here is you you get the measurable tick. You're able to say, you know what? I saw that guy get off his spot quickly. And I also saw him get to people, you know, a safety, for instance, I saw him get to a guy outside the numbers um, on a, th- on a throw down field. I saw that because I saw his processing. I also saw that he was, you know, that he was fast. And, and what you're able to see from the combine is that that's then true. And it kind of confirms what you think. Sometimes you might see a guy run a bit slower than you thought he was going to run. And then you need to go back and assess why he, you know, what was his play speed? What, like what went into his play speed that allowed him to do that? So it's, it's checking the film and, and using the data that you have to check the film. There's lots of other kind of, it's not a predictive event. You know, you're not able, you're not going to be able to look at this and say, this guy runs fast. He jumps this high. Uh, he's got this length arms. He's got this size hands. So he's going to be a success in the NFL. You've got to you've got to know how to use and deploy the information. I think something that Ben Dacky mentioned when we were recording the first part of this podcast was that NFL general managers sometimes have a tendency to see guys test off the charts at the combine uh, and then completely go bananas for them in the draft, trade up for them or draft them really early. And we also see it go the other way. Someone struggles in a particular drill. This is the Orlando Browns, even DK Metcalf falling to the end of the second round because he struggled in like his agility is three cone drills. General managers put a lot of stock into it. And sometimes you wonder if they put too much stock into it. Uh, like the Ravens drafting Odafe Oe at the 31st pick, you wonder, you know, did they look too much at his numbers at the scouting combine? But the other thing is, I don't think the Ravens are too susceptible to that because they actually put a lot of stock into their private workouts. Um, that was like the big thing with drafting Oe, for example. I know it was a big thing with them drafting Bateman. So, you know, when they're scouting prospects this year, who are a couple guys that you think they'll be looking at both for the combine and for like the pro day private workouts as well. Yeah, I think, um, so the first thing to say on, on, on what you just said, I think like some teams have some red lines, some teams have some athletics, measure, athletic measurable red lines, like the, where they will not draft a guy if they don't meet certain standards. 
Um, and some teams, you know, have the, I think most teams have those red lines actually, but some are lower bars than others. And so you, obviously you do see guys fall when you, when there's less teams that have them on the board, you know, if there's less, mm-hmm. less teams have you on your board, you're going to, you're going to fall down the draft. So, so that, that definitely happens. Um, I think guys that, 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 you know, that, that you do kind of want to look at. And I think if we stick to kind of first round guys, I think the kind of, there'll be some specific, I think the offensive tackles is the most interesting position in terms of the measurables at the combine, because it will have some, it will have some bearing on how teams view these prospects. And I, I'm not an arm length truther by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there are several teams in the league who, w- you know, will not consider a guy a left tackle if he has a certain length of arm. And um, you saw it, uh, I think it was last year, potentially, where we saw a number of the, I think it was last year, where we saw a number of the offensive tackles that we that a lot of people graded quite high fall. Um, and I think a lot of people sort of put that down to the the kind of arm length red line that we were talking about, uh, red, you know, the red lines we were talking about. So it'll be really interesting to see how these three offensive tackles measure up, because for me, that all three of them are are worthy of the 14th pick. And I, for me, all three of them will be well and well, well gone by the time the 14th pick comes around. But we might get a situation where, for instance, Charles Cross, who I don't know, it's very, very hard to judge length off tape, but the way he plays, he plays with a really strong inside strike and he will um, sort of control and steer a guy with his inside arm that is often a sign of a guy who's a little bit shorter in length and is taking advantage of what length he does have. Um, well, he's an excellent pass protector, so it's not really a problem, I don't think, for him. But his arms might be a little bit shorter, which then might drop him off a couple of boards early on. Uh, you know, th- there's some sort of potential with those offensive tackles to maybe slide if we see uh, if we see some issues with some of them. The one guy who won't slide because of the combine performance is Evan Neal. Um, who will be a freaky athletic performer at, at I think he's three, I think he's 340 plus. Um, if he comes in at that, he might have dropped a bit of weight just to to run a bit faster. But the guys, the guy's an athletic freak, so he's he's certainly not dropping because of the combine. I- Iki Iquanu um, will also test really well as well, I would think. So again, with him, it'll probably be the arm length measurement to look out for. But it's those offensive tackles that are really interesting in terms of maybe maybe the Ravens get a chance at, at, at a premium offensive tackle just because of something that happens at the combine. Yeah, those are definitely, I mean, the consensus top three tackles. And uh, obviously I think anyone would be happy with them falling all the way to 14. You know, even if, you know, if they're still available at pick eight, maybe, maybe, you know, DaCosta even starts making a call or two to people in, you know, nine, 10, 11 to see, you know, it's worth the difference between them and the next best offensive tackle prospects, because that's generally thought to be uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, a guy who's been constantly tagged with the Ravens. Part of it is he played left tackle. He's got that physicality, a little bit of that nasty streak, but I'm, I'm curious to see how he, how he measures in at the combine because his, his main dominant thing in, in college was run blocking. He was just a dominant run blocker. And while he, he has some really fun, you know, viral pass blocking sets, He's not as sharp of a pass blocker, not even close as these top three prospects. He just doesn't have the technique. Um, I'm sure you know you you know far far better than I do. But one thing, even I'm able, I was able to notice pretty quickly in some of the clips that I've watched of him is he just he sets so high and then he gets walked back by guys who are so much smaller than him, and that's just not going to fly 
uh, you know, in, in the NFL, when you have these speed to power combos coming off the edge, you'll get destroyed. Um, what, I, I personally, he's not one of the guys I would want at 14, unless you really feel like you, your interview with him or something like that goes really well. There's something really specific you see him doing on the team that, that, you know, we don't know about right now that the Ravens see. What about you, James? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, that often around this time of year, we do see guys with nasty um, and competitiveness re- really get pushed up a bit. And the thing with Penning that will continue to get him pushed up is he is going to test very well. He's going to test out very, he's going to be very athletic. Um, the one thing I would say is that I do think he has a bit of a deficiency actually in, in blocking in space um, in terms of his positioning. Just because he's an athletic guy doesn't mean that he's going to position well. It's about technique. So I do think in space, some of the zone teams will maybe have some concerns around that. He is a dominant run blocker. He's a dominant, specifically, he's a dominant gap run blocker. Um, and, you know, that that finish, he, he is... He is outstanding, um, and he will he will bend defenders to to his will at the, at the line of scrimmage. You know he will he will physically move defenders um, off their spot on drive and angle blocks. He's 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 a very good run blocker. Uh, as a pass protector, I think I'm with you. I, like I think his his hand timing can be lacking. I don't think he, you know, what you want to see is a is a an offensive tackle who who gets to his set point and builds his house. I don't think he builds his house particularly well, specifically with his hands. I think he opens his chest sometimes. Um, I think specifically it's for me, it's, um, you know, he can on some jump sets get a little bit um, flat footed and kind of square up a bit quickly and open the door to the inside. And then he'll also give up his chest and open, open the door to speed to power guys. So for me, I'm with you. I think the thing for me is I like him. He's a good player. I think there are at least 20 guys who are more talented than him in this draft. And that's what this is about. This is about, it's all relative. And, you know, he's a good player, but I I just, you know, I'm not going to, when you start, you know, stacking up the board and saying, okay, who's going to be there? You can stack 14 players and say, you know what? I'm not going to pass up um, an Andrew Booth Jr. for Trevor Penning. It's just, I'm just not going to do that. To me, that that also speaks to like how hard it is to get to the very top of some of these draft classes, right? Penning is a first round talent for sure, but the difference between fourteen and twenty or twenty two is huge. You know, a guy that a trade back candidate for sure, someone I'd entertain if we wanted to trade back in the first round because we didn't want to take Penning, we want to maximize the value of getting that fourteenth pick. That's a good that's a good plan. Uh, the other, you know, a couple other offensive tackles while we're on the subject that have been intriguing. Daniel Faleles obviously has been gotten that monster tag. He's he's just he's a massive human being um, and he's expected to test pretty well at the combine. So we're curious to see how he does. Uh, and and two other two other like just blue chip pro- guys from blue chip schools who have just a lot of a lot of tackle tape. And the problem with that is some of it's good and some of it's bad. And that's Rashid Walker and Nicholas Petit Frere, two guys who have a ton of experience playing against the top talent. And the problem is sometimes they did really well and sometimes they did really bad. Um, what do you think of those guys and how they could do at this combine? Yeah, I think both both those guys are guys who, you know, like you say, there's a lot of film on those guys. And so you 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 you're very secure in who that guy, who both of those guys are. Like I, you've seen plenty of tape, you've seen plenty of examples of them doing everything you need them to see. Uh, you know, it's it's funny comparing them to say a Charles Cross evaluation where Cross 
in that scheme at Mississippi State just just did a yeah a ton of pass protection and you you can very rarely see him gap block. You can see it if you look hard enough. So I think you can you can see enough with both those guys to be really secure in your evaluation. So for those guys, the combine isn't as important because because you just you just know who those guys are. So uh, you know you can tell what they're going to be um, when they turn up to when they turn up to Indy. So that they'll be that it is one of the strengths of this class. It's that tack is is that tackle depth into the to the sort of second third round. Those guys that are not quite fully fledged developmental guys. They're not guys who you who you point at and say, okay, this is a guy who, you know, is going to take three years to develop and might turn into something. It's they're more guys who where you you know what you're getting. You're probably getting a guy that you can and I I'll use scouting academy my, um, the scouting academy language here, which is they're probably a few of those guys are going to be guys you can win in spite of. Um, and those that, that's not a bad tag. That's just that you've got a guy who's plugged in as a starter. He's probably kind of average to solid, and you kind of you're always looking to replace that guy. Like every off season, you're always looking to replace that guy because you know you can get an upgrade, but you also know what you're getting with them. Um, and so there's a few of those guys around the sort of late second, um, early third. I would say Daniel Fa'alele is is a different different cat on that grounds. I think he's, he's a guy who um, is a developmental guy. I think he could start pretty early. There'd be some serious road bumps, but I think you'd get to a point where he could he could turn into a, a guy that's more than just a guy you win in spite of. So I think he's probably a guy that you would you would maybe look to target if you don't get one of those top tier top tier tackles. Yeah, perfect so, fit for the Ravens too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of love for for just that that ability to block in the gap scheme and the idea of having a guy who's made such huge strides and playing football for such such a short period of time be able to come to this team and and you know the thing is is he mostly projects as a right tackle and so i think that one of the things we talk about with offensive tackles is there's there's just a nightmare scenario where, where ronnie stanley can't come back but i think in that case it's back to the drawing board anyway um and, and we have to do a lot of resetting because if that's the case, you almost have to make a move for one of the top three uh, because you just you need a left tackle kind of flipping to the other side of the ball. What uh, what pass rushers and I'm specifically thinking interior pass rush. We just saw obviously everyone talks about watching the Rams win a Super Bowl with Aaron Donald. And obviously you can't just pick an Aaron Donald in the draft, but you do want to find ways to get pressure on the interior. And so that is just getting around the edge doesn't work anymore. These quarterbacks just get the ball out too quickly and you have to be able to collapse the pocket right away. Who are some guys that you think uh, could be those interior interior pocket pushers and what are we looking for from them at the combine? So I think, I think the the, the two that you kind of want to, the two that you want to look out. Well, actually, no, I'm going to throw a few others in maybe just as a, as interesting conversation, but so the, the first one that you, you want to look for in terms of interior presence is Devontae Wyatt. Um, Devontae Wyatt out of, um, uh, yeah, out of Georgia is, is a, he has, a, he is really outstanding um, motor. He is explosive. He, um, is a guy who I think could add more moves and a and a more of a plan as a rusher, but I do think that the you know the guy was asked to do a lot as most of the Georgia defensive line were asked to, uh, but his you know that explosion 
there's there's a lot there to work with. Um, and I don't think he's that far away from being a really disruptive pass rusher um, from the inside. I think what you and so for me, what I want to see is that ex, those that explosion validated at the combine. You know, I want to see him shift 315 pounds on that vertical jump, on that broad jump, and and see his numbers compa- comparable to some of the most explosive interior linemen in the league. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, but I want to see what like how his numbers compare to Aaron Donald. He's about 30 pounds heavier than Aaron Donald, so it'd be really interesting to see. You know what his explosion explosion numbers are. I think um, I do need to. So Devontae Wyatt is one of those guys. When I get my my process is I go through, I watch a lot of tape um, in the uh, the year before these the the guys who are going into the uh, season as top prospects. Um, I watch a lot of tape before the season. I watch some tape through the season. I have no college football legions, so all of my college football watching is for is for prospects, and then. I start doing guys from the from the end, sort of from the end of the regular season onwards in college and start finalizing reports. Often I, I will get into a guy, I'll spend most of the day de- like throughout the day watching him finalize the report, write it down. Devontae Wyatt, but occasionally I come across a guy that takes me a lot longer. Um, and I have to watch him several times. And Devontae Wyatt, I am not done yet with his evaluation. I'm still <laughs> not sure what he is. I, I still can't make a projection. So he's a really interesting guy. He's definitely one to look out for. The other guy I think to look out for, um, which is a different conversation entirely, um, but I'm going to throw him in the interior section because I do think for the Ravens, he would probably project as a five technique, although you would want to use his versatility um, and get him moving around the, the, the defensive front. He's Trayvon Walker, uh, who's a really interesting conversation. The Me and Michael Crawford have been sort of talking back and forth about Walker, he um, MC's really high on him, and I think the th- the thing for me is I've got a bunch of bunch of notes that I love about Walker, but one of the things you've got to work out is why you know the first thing you should look for in a pass rush, why well, in a defensive lineman in any in any situation is upfield burst, is takeoff, and there is something wrong with his takeoff. There's like his upfield burst. There are times he sat down in his stance a full second after Jordan Davis has got out of his stance, so. There's something going on about that, and we need to work out why that is. Is it scheme? Is it processing? To me, it looks like a kind of mix of processing and being asked to do an awful lot, probably too much for what is actually a 21-year-old kid. Walker is 21, so there's a bunch of stuff to work with there. Sorry, you go ahead, Nikhil. No, no, just him being so young. It's you know, You, you forget that some of these guys – a, lot, a fair amount of the prospects that I think about on days uh, on days two and three are a bit older, high floor guys, because that's just the kind of guys I look for on days two and three for this team. Uh, but some of the guys in the early rounds who are, who are ending the draft, they may have only had a, a year and a half ish of college football under their belt, which is crazy. And, and, and Walker is one of the guys where we've seen him do so much, even in such a short period of time that your mind does start to race a little bit when you think about plugging him into an NFL defense. And, you know, he dropped back into coverage a fair amount of times this year. So imagine having a guy who can line up on the inside on passing downs, who can drop into coverage and just how, how, how crazy that is that uh, there aren't a lot of guys in the NFL who can do that. And so when you think about a first round prospect, a top 15 prospect, not a place where the Ravens draft a whole lot, 
you do want to find a game changer. It's something I talked about again in the, in the first part of this podcast, game changers and playmakers is something you want to look for with this pick. And Walker strikes me as a guy who could be that again, it's, I, I'm not sure we've, we've, like you said, the little hitch when he's, when he's, when he's doing his get off, is he going to be able to process at the NFL level? Those are the things that we have to work out, but it's also hard not to see some of the potential. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's the key. I think, the, the processing thing is the key because the, the other thing to the thing to understand is that the Georgia defense is a very is a is a very complex defense. It is a, a defense that asks a lot of its defensive linemen, and it's a defense that asked a lot specifically of Trayvon Walker. It asked a twenty one year old kid to, to to play from a from a stupid variety of of alignments and um, with a bunch of different assignments on those alignments. So I actually think the amount that he was asked to do was unprecedented and it is a it is something that should factor into his pro into the, his the evaluation of his processing so you do have to kind of bring that in and say how much of a pass am i going to give him for the fact that that he was facing a really difficult challenge as a, as a Georgia defensive lineman. The thing i'm i'm looking for in the combine specifically with Trevor Walker is i think he's been classified as an edge it, um, they give the edge guys, the defensive line guys, the opportunity to do linebacker drills. Um, I'm really hoping that he does do linebacker drills because at 275 pounds, he's going to, like you mentioned, there were times when he dropped in coverage. He's it's going to, it's, it could, I think it will only help his stock to do linebacker drills because people are going to look at that 275 pounds moving laterally and they, they, they're going to fall enough. So his movement skills are, are great. And so it'll be really interesting to see if he does do that. Yeah. He's, he, he's the guy that when he was first mentioned a lot earlier in the season, a lot earlier in the year as a potential guy to the Ravens, I, I was a little like, huh, like he's, he struck me as a little bit of a tweener and I, I, that's obviously not the case because he can excel in a variety of different roles. And again, there is that gap stepping up to the NFL, but also coming in as a rookie, there's a good chance he's not going to get asked to do as much, like you said, uh, as he was at Georgia. And, you know, speaking of kind of that move to the edge, uh, give me, give me just a couple of the edge guys that you're looking at. What, like, what are you looking at in terms of testing? Do you, and kind of the same thing for cornerback, because I always think, Testing is always thought to be a really big thing for people get excited about edges and cornerbacks, but it's to me a bigger, uh, it's, it's more important to see how that translates to play speed. Like you said at the beginning. Yeah. So the, the two edge guys I, I would, I would highlight to talk about, first of all, let's just, I just want to put out there cause I, I forgot to mention it the other day. Aiden Hutchinson is going to test out of the gym. You know, anybody going into this thinks Aiden Hutchinson isn't, a candidate for the number one overall pick and um, the, the combine is going to put pay to that because he will test um, like a freak. So just, just worth mentioning that because he gets overlooked a lot in, in a lot of conversations. Um, the, the guys I want to, that I would want to touch on for the Ravens um, for one first round guy, which would be David Ajabo, who went to the same high school as Adafi Owe and came over to the, to the U S um, was born in Nigeria, came via Aberdeen in Scotland and then came to the to the US in in late in high school, got some offers to play football in college before he'd even played a snap of football in high school, um, and was at the time was a basketball player and saw Oway show out as an as an edge guy and sort of was like why can't I do that and so did it. He's played less snaps than Oway. Uh, did at Penn State. So he's coming out of Michigan having played less snaps than Oway did, which is which is saying something because Oway came out with very little on his resume. Um, 
he certainly got a lot more sack production than away but i don't i don't really um sort of play into that too much i think the thing with him is the thing that's remarkable is that he's got a really sophisticated arsenal of moves already and he deploys them well in a plan as well as having that ridiculous athleticism now there's some there's some concerns about you know there are some issues with his run defense that that you see on tape but i do think he sets an edge um and so if you're if you're kind of reducing the amount you're asking him to do as a run defender early i think he you he's not going to be a liability early but he is going to probably start as a situational pass rusher and then you're going to get him more and more involved um his ceiling is super high and i think it's um it's not like a i'm not sure he's a boom bust type prospect that's not how i see him i just see him as having quite a high ceiling but with some issues to work on in the run game the the thing i want to see is with him is how close is he athletically to away because if he gets close uh, and i mean really close then then you're looking at a guy who quite frankly is a little bit more polished than away was as a pass rusher certainly as a finisher um, in, in his pass rush. So to see him test close to Owe would be really promising and would sit, would put him squarely in play for the 14th, 14th overall pick. Another guy just to touch on sort of later, which would be a probably more of a second round pick, be Boye Mafe, who I'm a really big fan of. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how he tests. I think that is important for him um, to kind of verify that athleticism. He's a brilliant scheme fit for the Ravens. Um, you know, he he has, you know, we, we now think they probably do look for athleticism and explosion, I think, but he's quite a rough diamond. diamond and, but what, what we saw that I think the Ravens will like, because I think we know that now that the Ravens look for growth, they look to see ha- has a player grown on tape in terms of over their years in college. Mafe certainly has. And then you saw him accelerate that growth at the at the senior bowl. So when he was taking some pro coaching. So I think they'll like that about him. They'll like his athleticism. They'll like his scheme fit. Um, he could drop in coverage and could, you know, you could develop him into a Sam um, in the same way that they've kind of developed Bowser from a from an edge rusher in college to to a Sam over a few years. So it'd be really interesting to see if they if they rate him highly. And I think so his his workout will be really important, I think, because his versatility is the thing that will get him drafted higher um, and will get him noticed by the Ravens. So if he does have the kind of athleticism and movement skills to be able to potentially project him to a Sam in, in the long run, then there's more chance of him being taken because I'm not quite sure for the Ravens, he necessarily fits the mold of the kind of rush linebacker, the Jack guy that, that Suggs played for so long. Like I'm not sure he quite fits that mold. So that'll be really interesting to see too. Yeah, I think Ojabo, obviously the connection to Mike McDonald is something that's been talked about a lot. But I also think in terms of, you know, when you take when you take someone at the 14th pick, uh, again, that that strategy in terms of position, edge rusher is the premium position. It's it's the most expensive to try and add, or one of the most expensive to try and add through some other way. And locking down two guys on the edge with Ojabo and Owe would just be a really solid foundation to this team. It's just a really smart way to build a franchise. And like, like you said, Ojabo's ceiling is really high, but he's not the kind of guy where he has a really low floor either. You, you know, he's going to be able to figure out ways to get to the quarterback and maybe he's not an elite run defender, but he can certainly set the edge. He's not going to be blowing up plays that with the same frequency that maybe Owe showed uh, an ability to do in his rookie year in a way that, you know, maybe even surprised some people. Uh, Ojabo could definitely grow into that. But the idea of having an elite pass rusher opposite 
Oe and forcing teams to have two good tackles in order to protect their quarterbacks against us could be just, it's huge just for a defense to have. It's, it's almost like a, a bare minimum for a lot of the championship winning teams you see. Were there any other, you know, big players that you're, you know, guys you're looking that stand out at the combine? You know, I know one that we, one that we've talked about, you and I, is Traylon Burks. The idea of the Ravens taking a wide receiver at the 14th pick is something that might seem a little bit out there. But when you think about Burks, you know, the, 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 the crazy amount of things he can bring to an offense that already has Lamar Jackson in it uh, and the positional value of wide receivers, wide receivers, another one of those just really valuable positions that are really difficult to acquire in other ways than the draft. I think he's going to, my concern with him is I think he tests out of the room and he, in his, I saw in an interview he gave earlier today that he said that he tries to model his game after Debo Samuel. So it looks like he knows what to do and say to get t- drafted in the top 10 if, if he really goes that route. What do you think? Yeah, it, I saw that too. It's really interesting because he, he's not Debo yet. I think people have kind of got a bit carried away with that comp and he, he isn't Debo yet. I think the, the thing with Debo is he went to a – scheme and a play caller that had a plan for him and actually even even originally uh Shanahan I don't think knew how to use Debo as best as he mm-hmm. could it's only in this last season that we've seen him really start to use him as he could Burks is oh, he really is he's an athletic freak he you know the guy is what I think he's 220 is he 220 he's 225 listed 225. at the moment yeah he's he will run possibly a 4-4 um which is which will be crazy at that size the thing about him, like there are lots of kind of technical issues um, with the way he separates at the top of his routes. And so there are lots of things that you've got to get in there and kind of fix with his game. Um, I think the the thing, though, that is, it's just it, it, he is extremely attractive to a uh, an offense that is a run first offense where you can use him as a decoy, as a runner, as a receiver, where it, it and also fits an offense where you need somebody who is a kind of complement to some of your other guys. You, if you need a contested catch guy, a guy who um, you know is going to is going to catch everything at the over over diff defensive backs. If you need a guy that's going to get you a, a ton of yak, um, that you know he's your guy. And when I say all of that stuff, it sounds like the Ravens um, uh, is a is a team that matches most of those things. So it'll be really interesting to see just how athletically gifted he is um, uh, and then to kind of go back and look at the film. He is a guy who I wonder whether there is an element to which, you know, I, I do want to see one of the one of the drills that has been kind of that is less um, the less consequential now is the is the short shuttles and the um, the three cone because they've been coached to within an inch of their lives to be able to do that now it's kind of people have perfected the technique you you don't really gain a great deal from that anymore so uh, it, he will be a guy that I do kind of want to see his his movement skills out in space and to see him to see him to see him run routes because he he got open at the at the at the break point a lot using his play strength, it, he didn't necessarily get open as much with his technique, as I mentioned, and his movement skills. So be really interested to see that. A couple of quick notes on uh, defensive backs, which I forgot to forgot to mention before. Mm. I think um was disappointed that Stingley won't be running because um, uh, I think he probably would have tested um, extremely well. 
Um, other guys to watch out for who will test well. Dax Hill is a really interesting guy that I love. I've put a red star on him. Um, I think he's going to be a. I think he's going to be a great safety. He's going to test ridiculously. He already has a verified four three forty from when he was um, coming out of high school. So the kids, um, the kid can move, uh, and he did a bunch at Michigan as well. He was asked to do so much. So uh, it would be great to see Dax Hill. I think I really want to see what Kyle Hamilton runs. So I'm I'm high on Kyle Hamilton like everybody else. I'm not sure I'm at the point where I say he's like the top guy in the class or like a guy that you know I would put in a top five in any draft. Like I I think he's a very 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 good player. Um, but I did he didn't get like a, a grade for the the kind of perennial all pro grade from me. So he was just a tiny notch below that. So I'm interested to see what he runs. Um, I think it'll be a really good indication. Don't forget, he's 6'4", 220. So if he runs like if he runs faster than normal safety, you know, if he's running 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four, then, then great. <laughs> no, no questions to answer there. So I do kind of want to see what he runs. And then there's a bunch of corners that we do need to kind of keep an eye on from a Ravens perspective, uh, like Source Guard, like Andrew Booth. Um, uh, and I think Trent McDuffie as well. And the Trent McDuffie thing I want to see is I want to see him in the drills. I want to see his movement skills because we, you know, you can watch enough to see his movement skills when he's in man coverage. So I do like, you can do it, you can see it and you can project it, but it'd be really good to see his movement skills when he's not just bailing out into, into zone coverage all the time in terms of his fit with the Ravens anyway. But I do think you can see that on tape. So it's not like I can't see it. I've got an assessment of it already. I just be, I just quite like to see it. Um, at the combine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, cornerback is one of the things where you, the Ravens definitely see it as a need, but how they address it in the draft will tell you how big of a need they see cornerback because there, there have been a lot of people talking about them going cornerback in the first round uh, because part of the thing is a lot of the top cornerbacks are going to go. And then second and third rounds, there just aren't as many guys in that range that fit the Raven scheme that you think they'd want to target. And then you're starting to look at more sleepers later around guys who aren't going to, who likely aren't going to be able ready to step in and contribute in their rookie season as much as, you know, some people think the Ravens need from a new quarterback. So I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what their approach is there. So my, my, I guess my, my final question, what other, are there any other prospects that you're really looking forward to combine guys that any, any position, not even for the Ravens, just someone who you want to see how they do and, you know, whether or not they're fit to the Ravens. Um, so the guy, uh, so basically the guy I'm rooting for in the combine, because I do think it might be, a, it might be tough sliding for him is um, Roger McCreary. I absolutely adore Roger McCreary as a player. I think he's got everything the Ravens would want, um, but I don't think he's going to test that well. Um, he's already measured at the combine and he has very, very short arms. Um, it's my favorite topic to talk about him, about his ball skills versus his short arms, because he has some of the best ball skills I've ever graded on tape. His timing with his pass breakups, his hand placement, um, his physicality at the catch point, like the kid, the kid competes. Uh, I love that. I just, I love him at the, at the catch point with his ball skills, but I, I honestly don't know how he does it with those size arms. Like he has to be perfect. He's got no margin for error and he has been throughout his career so far. So I'm not, I can't knock him based on his arm length, but I, I you know, I don't know that he's going to test amazingly. So I'm really ruining hard that he does test well. And then that the kid gets, 
you know, gets a gets picked a bit higher and gets paid because I think he deserves it. He's he's a phenomenal player. He's a tough guy, and he's yeah, I really like McCreary. So uh, I think what ends up happening if he does test well, the issue is he he will be well and truly out of the Ravens' grasp because he'll get picked somewhere towards the end of the first round if he does test well. Um, if he doesn't. Then with the arm length too, I can see him missing some teams' red lines and see him dropping down the board a bit and maybe the Ravens get a bargain at some point. Yeah, that would be really interesting to see because they've, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. obviously is the big the big name everyone likes to talk about in terms of the Ravens taking advantage of a of a poor combine performance. But that's that's again something that you know I talked about at the beginning, the way the front offices put stock into the combines. Some guys start falling and then other teams are like, whoa, why is that guy falling? And before you know it, some guy slid off a bunch of teams' board and the Ravens could snag a steal, which is something you 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 always hope for. I think I think we I, I feel this way. I'm sure I know that I definitely feel like the fan base is this way. You almost expected it a little bit with the with the Ravens just given some of their draft success, but it, it is hard and it is hard to figure out prospects that'll be the right fit for your team. I guess the final the final thing is just are there any guys that you see the people talking about the Ravens drafting that you think they should hundred percent stay away from and any guys that you think, you know, especially at 14 that have been mocked to them that you just think are bad fits for the Ravens. I mean, I mean the guy that that's had a little bit of coverage about this. Um, I think I, I, I put it out pretty early in the, in, in the process as soon as I finished my, um, my report on him, I, the guy, I absolutely, I think the guy is going to be great. I think he's um He's a really good player. Like he's a great player. Like I think, but it's Tyler Linderbaum. So Linderbaum is a very he's going to be an elite zone center in the league. He's going to be sorry. I shouldn't say so. So teams run both zone and gap concepts. Every team runs both zone and gap concepts. Most most teams are heavy on one side or the other. And um, the Ravens are a heavy gap concept team. They sprinkle in a bit of zone. And um, I saw Brandon Thorne put out a tweet today about Linda Baum saying that uh, I think it was in response to um, to Cole Jackson's um, tweet actually saying that that Linda Baum will fit best in a scheme that is a zone scheme that sprinkles in some gap. You can see him run gap like Iowa run a run a bunch of zone. You can see him run some gap plays. You can see you can project some like some proficiency there he's not like he he's you know falling over himself in cap concepts like he's he's fine um the the thing i the reason i don't kind of don't want to see the ravens draft him is because he needs like he is going to be a very good to elite zone center so you want the kid to land in the best spot for him and i don't think the ravens would be a good spot for him i suspect he won't be as high on the ravens board as as most people think just purely because the Ravens don't like historically you look at their, their trends, which I've done a lot of work on the trends of the, of the, of the Ravens draft draft trends. And they, they, they draft big centers. They are big. They are heavy. They very, he may come in at 285 at the combine, which is just, I think they have actually, I think they've explicitly said, I think it was to Costa Ortiz uh, about a season ago, explicitly said, we like big guys at center. So I'd be very surprised if they draft him. Um, it just, it doesn't seem to me like it's a, you know, that I saw a PFF did a mock, uh, recently where they said that they, that we would take him and that, that it might sort of alter the run scheme. <sighs> like you're not watching Greg Roman closely enough. If you think that he's going to, he's going to drastically alter his scheme, it's just not going to happen. And it's, he's certainly not going to do it for a one center. 
Yeah, especially when there's so much like tumult along the offensive line already. Why would you throw all the different schemes in? Especially when this scheme is what works when we have the specific running back and quarterback that we have. When we have you know, not just Edwards and Dobbins, but specifically Lamar, this is the right scheme in place for him is is this scheme. I don't know. We, you know, It doesn't make sense to switch it, especially for a center. And again, on Lunderbaum, he could be like a generation. He's like a generational center prospect. He is one of the best center prospects to come out of college in, in a long time, but he is going to thrive and he's going to become the best version of himself in his own scheme is, is what seems to be the prevailing theory. And so, you know, if for some reason he falls, then then fine i mean you know obviously it, it hurts that you know he won't be able to do the best but at the same time the ravens have to do what's best for them and if he falls for some reason fine but he's not going to because some team is going to need a center and, and a lot of teams in the nfl are running i would say even a majority of teams are running zone dominant uh schemes right now the ravens are probably one of the yeah they're probably in the, I'd, I'd say they're pretty firmly in the minority of teams running more gap heavy schemes so um well, you know, oh, sorry to cut. I was just going to say, I think, I think you're right. And I think the Ravens don't trade, generally don't trade up for guys who aren't scheme fits. They will, they will sit and wait. They will sit and take it. So for, if by some miracle, he's still there in the middle of the second round, I could see them taking, definitely taking him. You know, it's, that would be a kind of, um, I would comp it to a Timmy Jernigan situation where, you know, Timmy Jernigan was a terrible fit for this defense. But when, you know, he was still available in the second round and it was weird, well, this is a no brainer. We're going to have to take him. And um, so that will happen with Underbound. But, you know, there's no way he's get. I don't think he's getting out at the end of the first round. No, not at all. So, James, thanks so much for joining me. We definitely look forward to having you back on the podcast to talk about more of these prospects. The other thing we're really excited about at Russell Street Report is that James is going to be kind of spearheading our draft content. James, what can we look forward to in terms of, uh, you know, what we're going to see from the site uh, in preparation for the draft? Yeah, so we're going to have a, a draft mini site for the first time on, on Russell Street Report. You can Normally when you go on RSR, you can see there's um, – there's a, a salary cap page, which is dedicated for Brian McFarland, where you can go and see all the information about the salary cap and all the different articles that Brian's written and, and all of that content. We're going to do the same for the draft. And so the draft will have its own dedicated site um, within RSR. You'll be able to go on there and find all of RSR's draft content from all of the regular contributors. But also there'll be um, pages for each position group. You'll be able to go into each position group and each position group will have... Um, my scouting reports basically on on the different players i do have a day job um, so i'm not going to be doing a dane brookler style 500 prospects but there'll be probably well over 100 up by the time we get to early april and um, it's going to go into a full draft report it's going to be a ravens focused draft report publication that'll come out at the start start of april Basically, I'm quite passionate about the fact that when you evaluate a player, it's really difficult to evaluate a player if you're not evaluating them, projecting them to a scheme and to a team. You, know, you have to project to a sort of generic thing, and, and, and it's really difficult. Some of the national guys really struggle with making a projection because they're trying to, in the media, because they're trying to make a projection to 32 teams. So the kind of gap in the market that we don't really see very much is a is a, a, a team focused draft report out there in, in the media so what i've put together is a is a report where you're able to get sort of my view of the prospects in, in a lot of detail but then we've also got a ravens fit box um where you'll be able to see my thoughts on how that person how that guy specifically fits with the ravens 
You can learn about my process as well which uh, for, for grading those players, which looks at their traits, but then also looks at the uh, five different things that I think go into what the Ravens look for. And, and we'll build a board eventually that is a Ravens-focused draft board based on that Ravens fit scores plus my evaluation of those players. So you'll be able to see all of that detail um, at, a, at a click of a mouse and just go into, into all of the different, in and out of all the different reports. And they'll they'll start posting over the next, well, the, the site will be up pretty soon and then you'll start, that'll start posting over the next few weeks um, and there'll be drips of reports going on all the way through the month of March. Well, that all sounds really exciting, James. I'm definitely excited to, to be a part of it and contribute in any ways I can, looking at some prospects and some, some draft strategies. So we'll definitely be really, really looking forward to that over at the site. Uh, thanks so much again for joining me. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening to the second part featuring the NFL Combine. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.